content warning for our listeners. Today's episode contains mention of gun violence. For The Daily Princetonian, I'm Vitus LaRue. You're listening to Daybreak. Today, we cover a column on the effects of social media on public discourse surrounding war, developments in the recent mass shooting in Maine, and the aftermath of Hurricane Otis. It's Friday, October 27th. In her latest column, Head Opinion Editor Abigail Rabia discusses the ways that war impacts the use of social media and how social media impacts its users. We sat down with her to get a better idea of these impacts. Yeah, my name is Abigail Rabia, and I'm the Head Opinion Editor at The Prince. So in your most recent column, you investigate how social media has an effect on war and how um, war has an effect on social media. So I was wondering if you could elaborate on what you've seen most recently in regards to the conflict between Israel and Palestine. Yeah, so, you know, since the the war started, since Hamas bombed Israel, I saw, you know, kind of two different things. I saw on the one hand, uh, my friends who are on IDF bases, who were called up from the IDF reserves almost immediately, you know, posting about their service on bases, posting about things that are directly threatening their lives. And, you know, at the, in the first few days, I was using social media as a way to, you know, make sure that they were alive and okay. And I also saw a lot of peers, you know, friends from high school, acquaintances at Princeton, posting things about how decolonization constitutes violence and how violence is a useful tool. And they were posting, you know, from their safe bedrooms at elite colleges in America and in the Northeast. And I found that incongruence really difficult. Um, see people that have no intention of risking their lives, promoting violence against people that I know are risking their lives, people that I care about, was really difficult, especially from people that I thought I trusted and, you know, graduated high school with, sit next to, at, you know, in the library. Um, You know, and I, I use social media as a way to, you know, escape. It's escapism. And I'm not saying that, you know, it's bad to post political messaging on it, but to see war and the promotion of violence, especially from people that have no intention of being in a position of of attack, is is really jarring. And how would you suggest a reader of your column consume social media as the conflict continues? I think it starts from what you post and what you, how you engage with it yourself. And I, I'm not saying that it's bad to engage politically online, but I think however you engage politically, you have to be willing to back that up. You know, when you post something about voter rights, you have to be willing to kind of write to your senator, write to your congressperson, advocate for, you know, greater access to that kind of thing. You know, if you're posting about climate change, you have to be willing to go to a march, do things that are really going to make tangible action possible. But when you post about revolutionary violence, I know that my friends who I went to high school with have no intention of enacting revolutionary violence. And I'm glad they don't. I don't want that. I don't want that to happen, you know, in, in Boston where I'm from. I would not recommend posting something in solidarity with something that you have no actual intention of doing or have a feasible way to supporting it. All right. Thank you so much. You could read more at dailyprincetonian.com or at the link in the show notes. Yesterday, a truck displaying the names and photos of students who participated in a pro-Palestine protest was spotted at Columbia University's campus. According to the New York Times, protesters on both sides of the conflict united to denounce the doxing of these students, chanting, quote, No doxing, now or never. We are standing here together. This comes after students were similarly doxed at Harvard. 
As we told you yesterday, a pro-Palestine walkout and rally was held on Princeton's campus Wednesday. Over the past few weeks, two trucks with displays accusing community members of anti-Semitism have visited campus. On Wednesday evening, a tragic mass shooting occurred in Lewistown, Maine, claiming the lives of at least 18 people. The suspected shooter is a Maine resident and U.S. Army Reserve member Robert Card. Police have not yet determined a clear motive. However, several media outlets have noted Card's past mental health struggles, including that he had previously threatened to quote-unquote shoot up a military base. A nationwide manhunt is underway as he still remains at large. In the wake, the Lewistown community has found itself in a state of collective disbelief, with Maine Senator Angus King telling NBC, this is one of the darkest days I can remember. Local schools and businesses have closed as the manhunt continues. In international news, Hurricane Otis, a Category 5 storm, made landfall overnight on Mexico's Pacific coasts on Wednesday. As of yesterday afternoon, at least 25 people have been found dead, with four additional people reported missing. Hurricane Otis intensified at record pace, jumping from a tropical storm to a Category 5 designation, the most severe hurricane rating, in 12 hours. Otis's winds reached a high of 165 miles per hour. Weather forecasts failed to predict and warn about Otis's impact ahead of its landfall due to its rapidly intensifying nature. Climate experts have noted shock at the lack of foresight, with MIT professor Carrie Emanuel telling the Associated Press, quote, the models completely blew it. However, former National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration hurricane and climate scientist Jim Cosin says that, quote, this is exactly the kind of thing that we would expect to find as the climate warms. Expect some more unseasonably warm weather, with sunny skies and a high of 77 and a low of 57. That's all for Daybreak today. Today's episode was written by Tendakai Mawakamatanda and Eden Toshoma. Sound engineered by Lena Kim and produced under the 147th Managing Board of the Prince. Our theme was composed by Ed Horan, class of 22. For the Daily Princetonian, I'm Vitus LaRue. Have a wonderful day.